Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the one and only VIP Jaswell Report only on Fox News Radio. Errol Flynn once said, I like my whiskey old and my women young. And I'm going to start this show by saying four things to you. Number one, hello. Number two, how are you? Number three, quite well. And number four, thank you very much. And you'll know why I've said these four things once I've introduced my next guest. This man has one of the best jobs in the world today. He drinks for a living and gets paid to do so. He's a master blender and a world-renowned expert on that liquid gold we simply call whiskey. And he has a personality that is just as unique as his kilt. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the Dalmore Distillery in Scotland to wherever you are, I present to you the one and only Richard Patterson. Welcome to the show, Richard. A very good day to you. How are you, sir? I'm great, thanks. Yes, had a, a very good morning here, drinking and sampling uh, over 100 whiskey. so I'm in a very good mood. So tell me, do you speak Scottish? Uh, just when I've had uh, one too many. It's very deep, but, uh, but straight to the point, I like to speak good English at the same time. Well, I've got two sentences for you. I get gutted after a pint of bevy, mate. I found that on the internet. It's, it, it's meant to mean it's, it means I get drunk after a pint of beverage. Well, don't get drunk on a pint of whiskey. This is something for sipping, savoring. And if you drink it in that way, as you just told me, I'll get very angry. So then the appropriate phrase would be, you're out of your face, man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you're obviously looking up the Glasgow dialect. Yes. <laughs> Well, sir, congratulations on being a master blender. But what is a master blender and how do you achieve the status? Well, a master blender is somebody who is responsible for creating the style of his various whiskies. But more importantly, he must be maintaining the consistency. That is the key point. Mm. And having my father and my grandfather being whiskey blenders before me, whiskey runs in my blood. <laughs> What a great answer to a very simple question. Um, one more thing. What's the difference? Well, actually, if I, could just, if I could say to you, it started very young, and this is what it's all about. You started you drinking very learn, young. Yes, I started when I was eight years old because my father <laughs> wanted to show me his world of uh, Scotch whiskey. Mm. And being so young, I was totally ignorant about it. And he wanted to show me this particular day his world. So he took me to his... Uh, born in warehouses in Glasgow right. with my twin brother and I. And we entered this bond, this huge warehouse. My father unlocked the doors, slid them open, and we walked into his world. Immediately, we were consumed by the smell, the heavy odors of Scotch whiskey and wine. And my brother and I didn't like it. So eventually, this annoyed my father. So he handed me a glass of whiskey, and he said to me, well, since you think it's so funny, son, why don't you tell me something about this scotch? So I picked up the glass in a clumsy fashion. Mm. I put my nose into it and smelt it, but I didn't know what I was doing. I said, sorry, Dad, I don't know what you're really meaning. That's when he really lost his temper. He took his hand and he slapped me hard at the back of the head. He said, you're being stupid. I want you to look at the whiskey. I want you to put your nose into the glass. Tell me, is it as heavy as your grandfather? Is it as light as your mother? Is it perhaps as sweet as your chocolate bar, or is it as dry as the dust on the floor? 
And so from that early beginning, I could see by the color of the whiskey and the bouquet, it was heavy and grumpy like my grandfather, but it did have that sweetness towards the end that I could nose. And that was the very early beginnings, and that's what stayed with me ever since. One thing I'm confused about, what's the difference between whiskey and scotch? Well, whiskey means it could be come from America, it come from Australia, but scotch whiskey, like a delimited area of champagne, comes from only Scotland itself. And of course, scotch is unique. We have one over uh, 108 distilleries operating. We've got four different regions, the Lowlands, the Highlands, the Campbelltons, and Isla whiskies, And they produce different styles, either from malt whiskey or from even grain whiskey. Now, whiskey is obviously made from grain. So can people who are on a gluten-free diet drink whiskey? Absolutely no problem, because when we distill that spirit, everything is eliminated, including gluten. So it is, of course, gluten-free. Let's talk about the whiskey lifestyle. Wine has a lifestyle image, you know, Napa Valley, fine dining, uh, the French countryside. Beer has a lifestyle image. Uh, Even cigars have a lifestyle image. I want to find out about the whiskey lifestyle. First of all, you know, do I need to wear a skirt or a kilt? Um, I don't see a lifestyle image. So, you know, I've made my own. Today I have on silk pajamas, velvet slippers, and my fireplace is fully lit. No pun intended. You've got to remember Bip has changed over the years. Mm. It used to be always blended whiskey, and blended whiskey still accounts for 90% of the whiskey market around the world. The other 10% is for single malt whiskey. And just when we're talking about that, let's be quite clear. A blended whiskey uh, contains malt whiskey and grain whiskey added together. Because Andrew Usher in 1860 Doing that, blending whiskies became immediately popular. But then in the 80s and in the late 90s, especially in New York, New York because that's where it started, New York and over in, uh, uh, in London as well, as well as over in Germany, the whiskey festivals began to show off what single malt whiskey was all about. Mm. Single malt comes from one distillery, one distillery only, like a chateau bottled wine. So that has started off. And of course, uh, you could pick up a bottle in the 80s, 90s, no problem, from $20, maybe up to $40. Now we're talking about different whiskies. Like, for instance, this whiskey bottle here. This is a, a Dalmore, 64 years old, one bottle. That will be equivalent today of somewhere in the region of $275,000 just for this one bottle. Two hundred two hundred seventy-five thousand. just for one bottle. How many bottles are there? There's only three. Two in America and one in London. And that's why it has even risen in price uh, since it was first launched. So only three bottles going back to, of course, 1868, Mm. 1878, 1926, and 1939. So these kind of whiskies, you need to take your time. Not really giving it to the mother-in-law or what have you, but really picking a moment. Because I'll tell you right now, when you sample that whiskey, when you hold it long in the mouth, you are going to turn an ordinary dinner into a banquet. And that's what that style of whiskey can do. But you can get the whiskeys for around about $30, $40 for blending whiskeys and single malts. So you can capture many different social uh, styles 
throughout that. Let me ask you something right up. For mere mortals, for mere mortals, if what should be the five types of whiskey you should have at home to entertain friends or to enjoy, what would you recommend? Five bottles. I, I would recommend always a, a blended whiskey is always something that goes well with anybody. You could then get a Speyside malt, which is light, beautiful, elegant, refined. You can get even a lighter one if you look for them down in the lowland area. Give me some names. If you've got people with more bodies. Well, if, if you're talking about lowland whiskies, you've got Ockintoshin, for instance, which is triple distilled, very light in flavor. You go over, of course, up to Speyside, Glenfiddich, Glenlivet, mm. you know, Glenrothes, you know, all the Balvenie in particular. These are light, elegant, sagel whiskies. And, of course, are all centered around the River Spey. The River Spey runs for about 106 miles. 49 distilleries can be found in that one area. Very elegant, very refined. But then when you go beyond Inverness, you can take in Dalmore, Glenmorangie, Kynleash, Brora, and then go up to Highland Park and Scapa on Orkney. Very, very different. But when you go down to Isla, Bruiclady, Bunnahaven, Lafroy, more Keila, these are rich, sort of peaty, smoky whiskies that need to be given respect. So if you can mix all these kind of styles together and have them in your home, one from each area, you will please your guests. Because at the moment I have a Johnny Walker Black, I have a Balvenie yes. 12, I have a Balvenie 15, and I have an Oban. Oban, yeah, Oban, Oban, Oban. yeah. Oh, yes, these are these are great whiskies. These are very elegant, very warm, very sensual. But if you really want to capture your audience, take these aged whiskies, especially a Dalmore, which has got that richness being matured in Sherrywood. If you want to impress your guests, what to do? Serve a creme brulee. Ask them to enjoy that creme brulee. Do it slowly. Take it in, swallow it, and then give them a coffee. Not just any coffee. A rich Cuban. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, from uh, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Java, Rwanda coffee. Two mouthfuls of that. Keep it there in the mouth. Let it go down. Warm up that palate with the coffee. Then take your Dalmore, maybe perhaps a King Alexander III, 1263. Mm. Put it in the mouth. Top of the tongue, then underneath the tongue. Then back up the top again. Keep it in your mouth for at least 20 to 30 seconds. Oh, it sounds so like a lovemaking tongue. session. You've got to get into there. Hold it there. <laughs> let it go down. Take a big, deep breath. Wait for it. Wait for it. Then let it come up. Then take a chocolate, 72% cocoa fat. Let that melt in your mouth. That will fuse with the coffee, the chocolate, the whiskey, the creme brulee sensation. I want you, for novices who are going to consider getting into the whiskey lifestyle, give us a demonstration how it all starts, how it works. Well, first of all, you've got to use the right glass. And hopefully you will see that this is called the copita glass. Mm. It's shaped like a tulip, and the actual mouth comes in. That's purposely there so that you can look into the whiskey. Unlike this tumbler here, which is thick at the bottom with glass, but wide open. look how wide open it is. You can see right in there, and there's lots of air, so that's for general drinking. But for a blender, he use, needs to use this glass. So what you do is you take that glass and you've got to fill it with the whiskey. And of course, you hold it right at the bottom. 
you pour it in, you swirl it around, swirl it around, let the whiskey get to every corner of that glass, swirl it around, then you put it on the carpet. You just threw it. I just threw it. Because what you want to do, look, you can see the drips of the whiskey. It's dripping now onto the carpet, but it's holding the whiskey. And because it's holding the whiskey, it could hold the odors. And that's why when I look at it again, any possible detection of an odor has now gone. So you go back to it. Now you've got the glass filled. It's filled with that uh, whiskey. You can look at the color by looking at it and by nosing it will tell you 96% of what you need to know. So you hold it at the bottom. You swirl it around, you bring it up, and you go right into the nostril and you say, hello. Then you go back a second time. How are you? But you must do it slowly. If I suddenly look and when you're doing it and there's tears in your eyes, that means you're doing it too aggressively. It's like kissing a woman gently. So when you go back to it and say, how are you? It starts to open up. And then when you go back and say, oh, quite well. And then you say, oh, thank you very much. You can see it's there. The top notes, chocolate orange, cinnamon, spice, a little bit of honey, vanilla. It's like... But you can't, be, you can't be doing this on a date, though. You're going to look weird. No, you've got to be doing it simply, but you've got to tell your respective partner. If you don't nose it properly, you could end up with two fingers in your eyes because you are just spent a fortune on the whiskey and you're not respecting it. You've got to give it the reverence it oh. richly deserves. I mean, especially when you're talking about $275,000, that's $10,000 a nip. And if you don't look at it with respect, no wonder I'm going to get a little bit angry. You've got to look at it because this is pure beauty. And remember, what you know is what you're going to taste. But that's the biggest problem because I'm afraid you guys in America produce many, many cowboy films. And what do the cowboys do when they come into the saloon? They kick the saloon door open. Yeah. They say, give me a whiskey barman, and they knock it back. This is not what whiskey's all about. I want you to take the whiskey like this and hold it in the mouth. Watch. One, two, three. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Now you can see it. So the whiskey's in your mouth, it's opening up, but the first taste is important, but it's always, always the second taste. So there you have it. But what happens when I come to various countries around the world? Well, before you say that, let me. I want to try. I brought a All bottle. Right, I brought a bottle of Dalmore. I'm going to pour it, and I'm going to do exactly what you're going to do, and I'm going to tell you oh. my experience. So, so which one have you got now? The Dalmore. The Dalmore, the Dalmore Twelve. Twelve. Okay, that's fifty percent American white oak. 50% sherry. Okay, here so goes. So this is 12 years old, so you must keep it in your mouth for not less than 12 seconds. You've got to keep this in for 12 to 20 seconds. Smell it. Okay, let me when go. When you smell it, 
When you smell it, you're going to see citrus orange. Well, don't tell me yet. I want to tell you. Don't tell me. I want to tell you what I sense. (laughs) Then you tell me if I've got it right. So I'm going to start pouring. Ooh, a little too much. Okay. Hello. How are you? No, slowly. Slowly. You've got to do it slowly. Remember, you've got two nostrils. One will be better than the other. So what you've got to do, Vip, is you've got to move it round and make sure your nose is right in the glass. Quite well. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm taking a sip. It's going down. Right. Couldn't hold it any longer. It's gone now. Now here's here is <laughs> here is what I'm getting. Right. Um, you said the wait, citrus wait, wait, bit. Wait, wait, don't say anything yet. Just just one more deep breath. Just one more deep breath. That's oh. it. That's it. Settle down. It's a great day ahead. Right now. Now tell me what you're thinking. Okay. When I first put it in my nose. At the point where it was, how are you? I detected, apart from the citrus, uh, a bit of chocolate in the in the in the aroma. Definitely chocolate. Uh, then the taste was um, orangey a little bit, a little bit of coffee, and coffee, some other sort well, of spice, cinnamonish. Crushed almonds. You got the vanilla. You got the honey. The manuka honey. You got it all there. The vanilla just popped out. out. The vanilla just came back. Yeah, that's what I'm looking. You're looking at it now. You've got to wait for these things. Don't just think it's there because the mouth is giving you more appeal, more appeal. You're seeing more in the flavor. You're really looking at whiskey for the first time. This is what it's all about. This is like a diamond who's radiating up and sparkling in your mouth. It's very, very... Um, I'm getting nice and warm. Yeah. Now... People use water. Yes. And you, wrong and, with and, water. And, and Dalmore is 50%. Uh, and, and I guess in the U.S. you need to have, in order to be classified as a whiskey, it has to be 40% and above. 40%. Now, that's 60% water, 40% actual spirit. Right. But when you add the water, what are you doing to it? You're, You're diluting it. it up. You're diluting it. Right. And that's why you see that film going around in the glass. But there's something, you know, when, when in fact... I go and I hear this lovely noise as it goes into the glass. Right. That's fabulous. But then suddenly what I hear is this noise when we, we've added all this ice. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Oh, we're getting a scotch on the rocks. But I never asked for a scotch on the rocks. This is when I start getting angry. And I said, well, everybody drinks scotch on the rocks. Well, I don't. In the olden days, when there was no ice, mm. the Scots went to the riverbeds. They put their hands into the rivers, and they took the cold rocks that had been chilled by the mountain snow. They put that into their whiskey, and that chilled it. That's why we've got the name Scotch on the Rocks. But this whiskey, can you imagine a Dalmore 64-year-old with this amount of ice? What does it do? It freezes it. It masks it. If I was to bring you back to Scotland in January, 
up to the Dalmore Distillery. I ripped your clothes off. I put you Thank outside you. Like naked. What are you going to get? A fright. Well, that's what the whiskey gets. What do you do with it? You throw it away. <laughs> because you've got to do that. And then you've got to check the ice. What is the ice like? But in the demonstration was- you gave, in the demonstration you gave, um, the whiskey was room temperature. So should all whiskies be enjoyed at room temperature, ideally? Room temperature, if you do it at room temperature, you're making come into the palate at that that easy way. If it's frozen, then you're not you're gonna miss all these wonderful flavors that we talked about with the Dalmore twelve years old. It's gonna be masked, it's gonna be bruised, it's gonna be hidden. What so why why are people drinking with the ice? What what's the deal? Because people maybe come in from a very hot atmosphere. And they assume they're going to get something really cold, which is going to be more delicious. But all you're doing is masking these flavors. Room temperature, air-conditioned houses are all going to let the whiskey breathe in its own way. And, of course, when you put it in the palate, what's it going to do? It's going to warm it up. It's going to bring out these lovely attributes that have been hidden for 12, 15, 20 years depending on the age of the whiskey. How much water should you be putting in a peg of whiskey? Literally just a splash. But what I would say to all your listeners, your viewers, etc., is put the whiskey in your mouth, then add a few drops. And every time you've put a few drops, just taste it gently. And then suddenly click. You'll find about the right amount that will suit you. Now, I have to say to you immediately, if you want to add ice, you want to add a mixer, you want to add something else, that's entirely up to you. What I'm saying generally is if you take whiskey at natural strength or perhaps with a little water, just give it the respect it deserves. But you will find that by giving just a little water or no water, what whiskey is all about. But you must keep it on that palate for a long, long time. So drinking whiskey is a very silent social activity because you spend most of your time i guess savoring what's in your mouth you you do but then it becomes a talking point there's there's something wonderful when i go to uh, these whiskey festivals around the world and I meet a man and wife or son and father and they are sharing that beauty together darling what do you think of this i'm getting this note i'm getting that note and it's wonderful to see how these comparisons go on because we're all different Sometimes I'll pick up certain things, whereas some of my other blenders will not pick that up, or they'll pick up something even more different. We're all different in our own way, but it comes down to one thing, time. I am dictated by time. Time to mature, time to uh, hold that whiskey long in the mouth, but it's well worth the wait. Talking about water, should it be bottled or tap? Bottled water is the most reliable because sometimes when it's tapped, you can get other things, extra chlorine and what have you. And even if you use sparkling water, that can sometimes split the whiskey. So good bottled still water is is ideal. And as I say, just a few drops to open it up and to then shut your eyes and think of where it's come from. Now, you can imagine if you come from Jura and you've got one called, you know, we've got one here called superstition now what do you do with this particular one you drink it but not inside i want you to go outside i want you to face the wind and rain in your face and that little hint of peep notes to come through just make it absolutely perfect 
This is something that should be drunk outside with nature, mother nature and all its glory. And you'll see what whiskey drinking literally is all about. Should whiskey drinking be a hobby or a habit? Uh, habit, that, that sounds like a real bad word. It's, it's about drinking in moderation, enjoying good company, mm. and drinking when you think you want to do it to share with your friends. There's nothing more marvelous than having all your friends together, opening a bottle, hearing what they've got to say, and really talking about the social graces, the news, what have you. Uh, that's been going on in their particular lives. But it is for sharing more than anything. Now, you know, I mean, um, I know a few guys, they tend to drink a lot. Um, but at what point should you be sort of stopping your consumption of whiskey because you're failing to enjoy it, because you're getting intoxicated wow. after every peg? Uh, no, you, you, you've got to, you've only got to drink whiskey in moderation. This is not abuse i don't want any abuse whatsoever if you find that after two whiskeys that's sufficient then stop there don't go beyond the limit because when you can't describe it when you can't even think about it and when you you're doing it for an effect or something then that's not good it's all about really savoring and remember whiskey has to be three years old before it enters the market and many of the whiskeys you know from 10 up to 64 need to be given I keep saying about it, that reverence of savoring it and holding it. it. It's well worth it, but please never, never abuse it. Now, what's the biggest mistake people make when they drink whiskey? What have you seen? Well, they do tend to add, I mean, some of the mixers, uh, some people say, you know, I prefer it with a mixer. And as I look at the, the age of the whiskey and you think, well, why are you doing that? Mm. Because it's a sweeter, there's a lot of sweetness in the mixer whether it be Coca-Cola or what have you, you put it in the glass and obviously the vanilla and the, the cola it helps, but it sort of, you know, fuses together well with it. But it does mask a lot of these flavors that have taken years to create. I mean, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. We're talking about, you know, on average for the single malts, 12 to 15 years. That's a long time. So, you know, if you want to enjoy it, a little water perhaps, but if you can avoid the mixers, so much the better. Talking about whiskers, what's the best whiskey for cocktails? Really any whiskey. I mean, there are many uh, mixologists out there that are experimenting with blended whiskies, always for a long time. But single malt, some of the Isla malts, Lafroig and Arbeg, Lagavulin, with that heavy peaty note, can really come through in many of those cocktails. But they need to be done subtly. So we have got new cocktails coming in with honey and spice and you know, ginger, uh, mixing with it, with even with coffee, uh, that really are very exciting. But it can be a single malt, it can be a blend whiskey, it can be even a grain whiskey made by the patent still, which is very simple, very easy, mm. not readily available, but uh, something that can be quite exciting. A bit like your rye whiskey, everybody's talking about rye bourbon and rye whiskey coming through. Well, grain whiskey is being talked about just now, as being sort of light and easy to drink. Now, I go to some restaurants, and, you know, you get the whiskey list with the dessert menu, uh, which I find odd because having spoken to you. So my, my, my question would be, what type of whiskey should you have before dinner? Well, something lighter, like, you know, a nice uh, space-side malt, uh, like well, not really Lagavulin, but Tamnavulin, Glenlivet, uh, you know, Balveni, Glenfiddich, uh, Glenrothes. These are, these are all 
nice, uh, you know, easy whiskies that uh, are not going to dominate your palate. It's going to make you a good entry point. If you've got something heavy like a meat dish, well, you know, Dalmore is great with that. These meat dishes and rich uh, sort of chicken dishes with rich sauces. And then when you get to perhaps the coffee, well, you need to perhaps introduce a whiskey with more age, around about even 20, 25, even 30 years old, uh, if you're looking for something that's heavy that goes with the coffee. That coffee and the aged whiskies, uh, like the Dalmore, you know, 25 years old, is absolutely superb because really getting the right coffee today in the restaurant and really drinking that with the whiskey makes it totally classic. A lot of people say to me, Richard, it's coffee. Coffee is coffee. No, it's not. It has to be a great coffee because that's the most important time when you finish the meal, you're relaxing with those people you love and you want to talk now. And that will be enhanced by a great coffee and a great whiskey. And even perhaps when you can find the right premises, a great cigar. There's nothing more wonderful than a great cigar to smoke with the coffee and with a whiskey, but it must be done slowly. This is what it's all about, nice relaxation. Now, the coffee, should be an espresso? Espresso, no, no milk, no sugar, no cream. I was gonna ask but you that. Right coffee. Yeah, because coffee, if it's really great, has all these wonderful ingredients already in there. And that's why certain restaurants sometimes avoid that. They just say, oh, they won't know the difference. But that's not true. The discerning people out there are looking for great single malts. Well, they're looking for great coffees as well. And when you get a great coffee, as I already mentioned to you, holding it two mouthfuls, then let it go down. And you, you maybe see that little bitterness to begin with, and then it opens up. That's when people say, oh, if it's a little bit bitter, let's put some you know, milk in it, sugar in it to balance it. But give it a bit of time and it will open up. If the coffee's good, it will show itself. And then, of course, on top of that, a little chocolate, bit of chocolate, 72% cocoa fat, that melts. And then you drink the whiskey. Sensational. So give me the sequence within the coffee, the whiskey, and the chocolate. Which one goes first? Normally speaking, you would have the coffee first to warm the palate up with that coffee. Right. Let it go down. Take a big, deep breath. Wait, wait. Then take a generous mouthful of that single malt whiskey, Dalmore, Jura, Renfidek, all these others, holding it long in the mouth, top of the tongue, underneath, back in the middle. Let it go down. Then you take the chocolate, hold it in the mouth, let it melt. You'll see that lovely flavors of the bitter chocolate mingling with the whiskey and then with the coffee itself. Sensational. It's a fusion that many people don't realize. Now, my grandfather was alive today. He'd probably go mad, what's going on here? Well, it is an inner world. We talk about Jackson Pollock, your great American artist, way back in the 1950s when he splats paint all over the canvas. Mm. People used to say, Jackson, that's a bit of a mess. And he said, no, it's not. If you look at my painting, you'll see something. What is it? An inner world. That inner world will open up if you look and give my paintings time. That's the same with the whiskey. I want to give the whiskey time as well, and that will open up, and then you'll see that inner world too. 
Now, how, you know, I buy these whiskeys and they're open and then some, some of them stay open for a while, you know. Um, how, what's the best way of storing these bottles? Should keep, I put them in decanters? Keep them in an even temperature. Keep them in an even temperature. Uh, for instance, here's a, here's a bottle of Jura. You can see it's uh, half, half empty. Purity. Mm -hmm. You can see where the, the level of the whiskey right up to the top. That's got quite a lot of air in it. So if you keep that amount in, in your bar, keep it at an even temperature. When you keep it at an even temperature, that takes care of the whiskey. Now, if it's a bigger airspace than that, when you pour that whiskey into the glass, just make sure you aerate the whiskey that little bit more. It's been in that bottle for a long time, perhaps. It needs a little bit of air before it goes into your mouth. And you'll find that air will bring it up, bring it back, and it can be enjoyed just as the same way as when it was full in the first instance. But doesn't light do anything to the bottle? Good point. If air is there, but if light, sunlight, direct sunlight is on that bottle constantly day after day from a short window, what have you, that will give it what we call bottle age. It will tend to give it a little bit of, you know, the character will still be there, obviously, but it will be slightly reduced. It will be slightly tired, and that really needs to be looked after. So direct sunlight is, is not good for it. Same with keeping bottles up in your loft, which is going to be having the winter, then the summer, then the winter, the summer. That's obviously going to have an effect. So if you can keep a bottle in your cellar, standing up, even temperature, that's so much better. You can keep it in the same place where you keep your wine, your wine cupboard, right? Absolutely, yeah, but have it standing up because remember, 40% alcohol, maybe even 56, maybe even 60% alcohol if you've got something you know, very young is eating away at the cork. So don't let it lie on the cork because after many, many years, like wine, it will eat away at the cork. It possibly will take some of the seed from the cork and it might even start leaking if it gets even further up the board. Well, that means a lot of these fancy restaurants aren't doing it right because when you go to their bar, it's a beautiful bar. They have the shelves at the back. Um, all the fancy alcohol bottles are there, and then they have the lights from the ceiling falling onto yes. the shelves. Um, well, you've got, it, it should be subdued light. It should be nice, even temperature. It shouldn't be hot and all these kind of things. Most prestigious bars, especially in America really do look after their wines and they really do try and get the right lights also for their whiskies because they do know what it will have an effect possibly on the quality. In your distillery, do you get special requests to make a special bottle dedicated to certain restaurants or to certain yes. high buyers? Obviously, uh, obviously, we've been working with Daniel Ballou, who is, you know, Michelin star, you mm. know, uh, restaurateur, and we've been creating, you know, a whiskey for him. Uh, his was very, very special. Uh, it went back, you know, to uh, uh, 20 years old, uh, some of the whiskies that were into it. We matured it American White Oak, Marsala, and Muscatel and Port uh, wine. And that is quite unique for him. It, it took us about a year and a half to put it together. But the result, which comes in at a strength of 44%, not 40%, but 40 4% give him the absolute attributes he was looking for. So you can still purchase it uh, in his restaurant, the Dalmore. Uh, Daniel has got his initial 
uh, on the label, mm -hmm. but it was specially made for him for the style. But what it does do, it reflects his mastery as well, because he's a cordon bleu chef. He creates some of the wonderful flavors in his restaurant, the fusions that go on. And that's why we had to do the same with that particular single malt for him. Well, Lots of different complexities. Well, I've been to Daniel's. I've eaten there. The food's very delicate. Yes. But yet at 44% alcohol, wouldn't there be an imbalance? Well, not really, because what you're doing is you're going to drink that at the end of the dinner. There's oh. a multitude of flavors still in your palate. But what you need to do with 44%, it gives you that immediate impact when it goes on the palate. Once again, we say to the people, this is the end of the meal. And mm. he will serve normally a chocolate with it. Hold it long in the mouth. Let it settle down, but take your time. And if it is a perhaps still a little too strong, although it shouldn't be, then you can add a little water. But it is very complex, but it is different. Did you tell Daniel which glass to serve it in? Because I'm going to test them when I yes. go next. Yes, I, I, I told him everything. I mean, uh, he he looked at it and we went through it. We told him, no, you've got to nose it like this. Really stick your nose in. Uh, I don't think I slapped him, but I, I you know, <laughs> I really read the message because, because you know, when people don't, he's a real professional and, and he was eager. You could see in his eyes. Always when I do tastings with people, I look deep into their eyes. You can tell if they're lying or if they're not interested, but he was interested because fusion of flavors is his lifespan. And when we fused these whiskeys together for him, he really looked, listened, and he did savor finally that dull more. What does age do for whiskey? Why, why am I paying for age? Because evaporation takes place. At the present moment, 80 million liters are evaporating from Scotland every year. So that's a lot of whiskey, you know. And uh, what we've got to do is we've got to age the whiskey because we're going to lose probably 4 maybe even 5% the first year and 2% the next year. So when you get to 50 years old, you're nearly going to lose the whole cask. So, of course, evaporation is a very expensive business, and that's why you're paying that kind of money for the 64 years old. It's very rare. Not many people will have whiskies, very few whiskies of that age, 60 or even 70. There are one or two that are released, but nothing beyond that. And that's why you've got to be prepared to pay for these rare beauties. You can't speed up the evaporation process? Certainly not. No way. You're speeding it up. This is what it's all about. We're talking about Scotch whiskey here, single malt whiskey. You need to age it. You need to give Mother Nature that wonderful thing. This is what it's here. Take a good look at this. Mm. What is it? It's a small cask. Obviously, the cask itself is much larger, but this is what manipulates that flavor. This is where the bung, the way the whiskey goes in, it's held in there, and it slowly but surely matures. And as it matures, it loses its uh, strength, its bouquet, and its contents. So you've got to look after it. So where do you what store you the barrels? Do? Pardon? Where do you store the barrels? We store them in warehouses. But so does it, can... isn't the warehouse subject to a Scottish summer and a Scottish winter, and you have temperature changes there? Yes, these these warehouses are thick walls, mm. thick walls. So when you open the door and you walk in, you're going to smell dampness. You're going to have a concrete floor. 
but the other floors are to the air. That's where you're going to get that dampness coming in from the ground, going into the pores of the wood, and those whiskey casks at the bottom are going to lose their strength, whereas the casks at the top will in fact evaporate a bit more, but will retain their strength. So like that Dunmore 12 years old that you sampled not that long ago, mm. it will be a combination of many casks to give me that style that I'm looking for. But it's like your respective partner, like any woman, any woman today or tonight goes out for dinner. First thing you've got to say to her, what's the color of your dress? And they might say it's black, they might say it's red or pink, but you can bet your bottom dollar that woman has selected that color and that dress that suits and radiates her beauty. Well, it's the same with a cask. I've got to find the right cask. American white oak, sherry, port, Madeira, masala. These will have the same effect. If you get the right cask with the right whiskey, it will absolutely radiate the beauty. So why do people collect whiskey if they don't intend to consume it? I mean, it's a bit like getting married without consummating it. Well, some people want to uh, buy whiskey, sit mm. on it, and use that word investment. It's, well, that's entirely up to you. If you want to invest in it, fair enough, because there's no question some of these age whiskies that are 40, 50, maybe 60 years old will, of course, go up because it's, you know, it can go up by 400%. Uh, a lot of people have done very well out of it, but you've always got to have that risk. And uh, but to me, oh, come on, if I've spent years creating, you know, that 64 years old, the 62 years old, my Dalmore 25, the King Alexander 1990, what I want to do about it is I want to see people drinking it, sharing it, that experience, that, that wonderful dinner that's going to become a banquet. And you can only do that by drinking it, not looking at it. Now, which, you know, uh, we, we've talked about whiskey, we've talked about drinking it. How, how do you cure a hangover from whiskey? And have you well, had many? If, you must have had many. If, if you have that, uh, in Scotland, what mm. we do here on uh, these rare occasions <laughs> is that we need to replenish the body. And what we normally find is that uh, we have nice bacon roll first thing in the morning. That's bacon and a heavy roll, but washed down with either Coca-Cola or here in Scotland, we have a great drink called Iron Blue. Brew. Now that's a, a nice a nice lemonade style. It's got sort of ginger, it's got spice. It's got a lovely tang, but it contains a fair amount of sugar. But you'll find that having that sugar, some people put eggs in it, some people put honey in it. Some people just want to get that sort of richness of it. And it really does work wonders. Now, which um, whiskey, like I, I said to you before, you know, there's a lifestyle associated with a lot of the other, like uh, wine, um, champagne. Uh, you know, you, you conjure up this image. What sort of image should I be getting with whiskey? Well, as I said, it has many images. Mm. If you're talking about you know, something that's aged 25 years old to 30 years old, that is sophistication. That's a, a sort of luxury. And some people will afford that, some people will not. So the sort of lifestyle of luxury, taking your time, fast cars, diamonds, everything else that goes with it is very much part of that side. Right. But generally speaking, when you're talking about single malts or even blended whiskies, 
around the 12-15 mark, that's for everyday pleasure when you feel in the mood. When you come home at night, tell your wife, your partner of all the great things, that's that's everyday image of what it's about. I mean, whiskey is for all ages. No, make no question about that. And that's why it's enjoyed in over 210 different countries. Is it a sexist drink? Because I only see men drinking it. I don't see a lot of women oh, drinking it. Listen, in, in Taiwan and South Africa, we have these whiskey festivals. I can tell you right now, 45% of these people attending these whiskey festivals are women. They really are beginning to enjoy whiskey. They're looking at it perhaps in a different way because what has happened? They've been given another tool. It's not blending whiskey, it's single malt. So that's what they are interested about. And those that are looking after their respective partners want to share in it. There's nothing more wonderful than a man bringing a whiskey home and sharing it with his loved ones. Now, the irony of it is that your company is Scottish, but it's owned by United Breweries, am I right? United Breweries, yes. From and, India. Uh, obviously, uh, with having been here for over 45 years, mm. I've seen a number of takeovers. And we're uh, Alliance Global at the present moment are trying to finalize the deal. And so it might change from an Indian company, perhaps even it might happen. I don't know if it's going to happen next month or this month, but it will become from the Philippines. That's who's going to be uh, looking after us. So how does that impact your quality control? Because, you know, obviously, if you're owned by someone else, they might have a different view or perspective. Absolutely no way, and I want to make that quite clear. Mm. When you say that to me, I immediately say one thing. I've seen a number of takeovers with the company, but my job as master blender is to ensure the consistency of our blends, our single malts, and everything. So there's no way, no matter who takes this over, that I will, you know, forego the quality. The quality is sacrosanct. It must be. Like all my fellow blenders, that's our passion. It's built into us to make sure that quality remains the highest possible. Because out there, what have we got? We've got consumers. They've got discerning palates. We cannot afford to let the consistency drop in any shape or form. That quality must be there every second, every day. So when when companies acquire you, and you've seen a number of these, what are they looking to do that's different? Or what are they seeing as an opportunity? Because if everything's going to stay the same... Well, frequently what they're uh, looking for uh, more than anything, Vip, is they're looking for expansion. Expansion. And the Philippines are going to be looking for a hot, hopefully, expansion in the Far East. And we're talking about from the Philippines. Mm. Philippines is, uh, you know, a big market. Uh, They they really don't know uh, too much about it. They know about blending whiskeys, but single malts is new. And obviously, they want to drive that taste of uh, single malts in the Philippines but more opening up perhaps in, in the likes of China. China is still, as we say, or as Napoleon used to say, is still a sleeping giant. So the Far East to us is very important. And through Alliance Global, um, Emperor because they have 35 million cases of Emperor brandy, they hopefully will want to increase also the single malts and the blending whiskies too. Well, whiskey is one of those unusual drinks. You can have it in a cocktail. You can have it before dinner, during dinner, after dinner. So I guess um, marketing it or promoting it is going to be quite challenging because it depends on what you want to cater it to. Yes, the, the marketing, I can't uh, emphasize that enough. You've got to today have great marketing. You've got to have the right label. 
And you've got to ask yourself, even before I open that bottle, has that Dalmo, that white Mackay, that Jura, has, you know, the aged bottles, have they got that wow factor? Have they been absolutely packaged in the right way that's going to draw in the consumer? It's got to be absolutely right. And that's not an easy job today. The consumer is aware. All these millions of people now traveling in travel retail airports, they haven't got time to mess around. They can look at the bottles and if they captivated, they will then make their purchase. But that's down to a few seconds. So our marketing people have got to market it in the right way, the right package that gives that image and you maintain that image come hell or high water. That's so important too. Final question, Richard, are you ready? <laughs> Do Scots wear underwear in the, underneath their kilt? Oh, listen, I can't tell you that because if I if I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> that's, that's very private. But all I would say is, why don't you come over one day to one of our football matches? Oh, I thought you were going to invite me to come and find out. <laughs> I was like, you know, well, you're telling me is fine. You'll possibly see something that you've never seen before because as in Braveheart, it's fairly similar. On that note, I'm going to retire with a nightcap by taking off my velvet slippers, my silk pajamas, and treating myself to a nice sip of Dalmore 12, while well, my remember, wife treats herself to me. Well, remember, the famous saying that I keep saying all the time, love makes the world go round. Rubbish. Whiskey makes it go round, but twice as fast. Slangeeva. Golden words from the golden man. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for being on the show. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Your comments on your followers so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswal and my Facebook page. That was the wonderful, the entertaining, and the most knowledgeable Richard Patterson. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives with the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week. I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones, and until next Sunday, have a productive, merry, and a very happy week ahead. 